that time of the week again. It's Flat Out RC podcast time. My name is Andrew Sill, coming to you from the land down under. And what are we doing? We're talking all things radio control. We're talking radio control planes, helis and drones. Well, this week we are having a a group chat. Uh, It's a bit of a group chat with uh, a bunch of people that were involved with the Festival of Aero Modelling, the recent event that happened up in... uh, Queensland down here in Australia, one of the uh, it's it's touted to be the Australian version of Joe Nor, uh, apparently, um, and it's the first one. And but it, it but I'll wait. So, you know, you got to listen to the chat, and then you'll find out how it all went. But um, it was all pretty good. Uh, I will say that. So uh, joining us is a whole bunch of people uh, from the crew, including uh, David Gall, Martin Pickering, Aaron Gall, uh, Mario Shembury, um yeah, a few other people that, that ducked in as well. So stay tuned for that. Before we get to my chat with that group, let's have a look what's been on my mind. Well, I'm over COVID, uh, which is good. Uh, I am feeling okay. The wife got it. She's not feeling as well, um, but we are recovering quite well I'm, I'm feeling pretty good uh so th- things are okay uh now i got an, a message from a guy by the name of craig wayand hi craig um thank you for sending me a message and he said you, you know each week on the podcast i believe you say if you have any ideas send us a message well he did so uh i'm gonna go through his message and, and answer some of his questions which may help a lot of you out there, especially if you're newbies into the hobby and that kind of thing. And so um, Craig wrote, well, I'm new to RC and I seem to struggle with the common mistakes made by newbies. Yes, Craig, we've all been there. And he said, batteries, for example, where is the manual on how to use these things, where to buy, charge as soon as I get it, you know, all these questions. Right? And you're right, Craig, batteries and LiPo batteries especially have always been a bit of a challenge to understand what to do with them. And when I first got into um, flying electric planes and dealing with LiPos, I didn't have a clue and I had to sort of get on the internet and try to work out um, what needs to be done. And so if, if you know all about LiPo batteries, fast forward this bit. If you just want to hear about my thoughts on LiPo batteries and what to do with them, I'll share my experience with Craig and whoever else wants to listen. If you don't want to, just fast forward now. So anyway, I'm going to share you, as I just mentioned, my experience and what I do with LiPo batteries and what I learned. So I'm going to try to answer some of these questions to help Craig and anybody else that might be new into the hobby and dealing with LiPos. Where is the manual on how to use these things? There isn't a manual. LiPo companies don't have a manual. but um, I'll talk about um, uh, what to do with them, what I do with them. So where do I buy batteries from? I buy batteries from, I bought batteries from Hobby King um, because they can be cheap. Um, I buy Jewel Sky batteries from um, you know, hobby shops and things like that. Uh, Prime RC batteries I've got as well. So basically you can get LiPos from... Most hobby shops, um, online retailers as well that deal with uh, hobby-related stuff. Um, what I always look for, uh, and I'm going to use simple terms here, I use I look for batteries that are pretty powerful. And I look at that C rating. You'll see batteries that have 20C, 40C, 60C, 100C. And basically what that tells me, when I look at that C rating, it tells me 
sort of how good that battery is as far as a bit of punch, right? Um, if you've flown helicopters and you pump that throttle and you want the heli to go up, it's that responsiveness kind of thing. But it also tells me that the battery is probably a bit better battery. It's a better quality battery if that C rating. So when you look at a battery and you see 25C, 100C, no matter what size it is, the higher the C rating, I generally think that the better the battery is, um, especially for our model application. So minimum that I'd have is probably 40C, uh, but I'm looking sort of for that that and up in my flight packs. Right? So that's my first little tip. Um, when it comes to brands, look, there aren't that many companies that actually make the lipo cells. You know, if you're looking at a 3S pack, three cell pack, it's got three lipo cells in them and they're pretty hard to make and they're pretty toxic in a kind of way as well. They're very dangerous to make. So in China, where most of them are made, there aren't that many people making cells. So when you see a company like Dual Sky and Prime RC and all this kind of stuff, they're not making up their own cells. They're buying the cells, but then it's what they do with those cells that can be different. So, for example, I've spoken to Mr. Dual Sky about this. His name's not Mr. Dual Sky, but I refer to him as Mr. Dual Sky. And he buys the cells in and then he tests them and he tries to match the cells to make sure that the three cells in that 3S pack are very, very similar. And that's his quality control. Um, and then he'll put those packs together. But the actual cell itself, they have to buy it in because it's a very specialist kind of area to make those kind of battery packs. So um, what I find is that the better quality packs last longer and you can charge them at a faster rate as well. Um, especially if you're using lipos in applications that have very high sort of draw like helicopters um i could puff a, a cheap set of batteries pretty quickly on a heli i reckon um that they, they just get really hot um trying to keep up with the with the load that they're subjected to so that's where you find some of those better quality batteries my plan moving forward is to buy good quality batteries and less of them because i have really good charging facilities at my field so I can buy two packs, have one in the air and one on the charger, and I'll be okay. I can do that all day long because I'm lucky that my my club has good charging facilities. So my tip is buy good batteries. You can charge them at a faster rate. They'll last longer. It's more cost-effective really in the long run rather than buying a whole bunch of cheap batteries that might last a year before they start to puff up. Um, okay, let's talk about charging them, right? So Craig says, charge as soon as I get it. Generally, what's going to happen is when you get your battery pack, it's going to be given to you at a storage charge, right? A storage charge. So that means it's not full. So yes, you need to charge your battery. So let's talk about charging batteries. You'll hear people talk about 1C, 2C, 3C charging, right? So I'm again use my simple terminology. I charge my, most of my packs at 1C, right? 1C is, I'll use a 3S 2200 milliamp hour pack as an example. It says 2,200 milliamp hour. So 1C is 2.2 amps. That's how I look at it. If it's a 5,000 milliamp hour pack, it's 5 amps, right, is 1C. 3,000 milliamp hour pack, 3 amps. 400 milliamp hour pack, 0.4. That's how I work out 1C. So my 3S 2200 milliamp hour pack, I charge at 2.2. Sometimes with the better packs, I can charge at 2C. What's 2C? 2.2 times 2. That's 2C. All right? So if you're charging at 1 amp, 2C is 2 amps. 
So um, you set your charger. Make sure that you always set your charger up, first of all, to be in LiPo mode. There have been so many fires as a result of charging LiPos in the wrong mode. LiPo, make sure and balance charge them. That means you've got that little plug, the balance lead, not the charge lead that you plug into your ESC to get you know, the plane fly, fired up. That other balance lead is balancing the cells. You plug that into the charger as well and it'll do a balanced charge, right? Always put it on a balanced charge. That's my recommendation. Now, we've had like Mark Stewart, who was a, a fireman and been on the podcast, and his, his tip was when it comes to charging, put the, the, the batteries on some sort of inflammable kind of um, uh, material and then put a, uh, one of those um, fire blankets over the top um, whilst they're charging. I, I sometimes use a LiPo sack, charging sack, um, which is basically a fiberglass pack kind of thing to just in case if something goes wrong and that pack decides to blow up, it's going to be contained or covered so that it won't create a fire and fires do start. So we have to be very, very careful. Make sure you've got your charger set to LiPo. I'm charging at 1C. Sometimes you can do a bit faster if you've got good quality batteries and I will do that sometimes. Um, I use ISDT chargers. I found them to be really, really good, but you know, most LiPo chargers now are pretty good. Um, but, um, I've found the ISDT charges to be really good. So we've now talked about C rating and charge rates, 1C, 2 2,200 milliamp hour, 2.2. So set that up. So when you go through the sequence to set up the charge, it will say, you know, what kind of charge you want to do. Make sure you set up the balance charge. Then it'll say what amps, 1C, worked out how to do that. Press go, let, let it do its thing. Do that balance charge. Once you're done, you're ready to go fly, all right? Now you go flying. Use that pack up. Now, when it comes to using a pack up, I like to leave at least 30% in the pack because we all know that if you run a LiPo battery dry, it will damage the battery. All right. So the best thing to do is to charge that uh, charge that pack up fully that where it's uh, 4.2 volts per cell is what a LiPo battery but the charger will do all that for you. Uh, and then what you do is you... Just, I use a, a battery checker. Every time before I fly an electric plane, I check the battery before I put it in the plane to make sure that it's fully charged. When it when I land and I'm you know back at my pit area, I check the battery as well to understand how long I can fly for. And what I'm looking for is 30% left in the in the um in the pack. And that generally gets around 3.8 volts or no, a bit less than that, maybe I can't remember. Um you can work out the maths, but the the my my lipo checker gives me a percentage rating left i think it's down 3.7 something generally but i don't like to run them too low sometimes i err on the side of caution and land a bit earlier just to be on the safe side because once you start getting down to though you know depleting the battery you can end up damaging it and that means uh they'll start to puff up and all that kind of thing so um so yeah, so just keep an eye on how much you're using by checking your battery voltage once you've landed and then adjusting your timer and your transmitter so you don't overdo it. Never run them flat. If you're driving an RC car, don't run it flat. You can't do that with LiPo batteries. Not good for it, not healthy. Um, so the other thing, other thing I want to talk about when it comes to batteries, what I do is what do I do once they have puffed and they're a bit old or they've lost their power? Because they will. LiPo batteries will not last forever. They will lose their grunt. And it gets to a point where, you know, you end up having two-minute flight times when you should be having five or six. Uh, so at that point in time, you've got to ditch them. And so how do I ditch them? I like to drain the voltage 100% out of the battery. And I've done it using um, light globes. 
12 volt light globes uh, I've used in the past, depending on what pallet pack you've got. So mainly it's three S packs that I've had to get rid of. But I've got a charger now that's got actually got a destruction thing in it. It'll just actually um, uh, take all the charge out of the uh, out of the pack, and then you you can pretty much safe to throw them in the bin, I believe. That I've been told, that I've read elsewhere, that yes, you can do that. That they're safe once it's at zero voltage. I actually did a test once. I, I I got a battery that I deflated to zero volts, and then bang a nail through it to see if it would explode or if there's any chemical reaction. And there was nothing. I got the nail right to the pack and split the uh, thing, and there was absolutely nothing. Um, not a spark, not a flame, or anything. But you might want to consult some better battery gurus than than me um, about. That's what I like to do. So you can do what I do and wear it at your own risk. Or I've, I've tried putting batteries in a salt bath. I left them there for a couple of weeks. Now, it's just draining the voltage out of them. So as long as you get the voltage out of them, then um, they're, they're, they're a lot safer. Uh, storage charging. So once you've gone out flying and you've used up your batteries, what I like to do is... LiPo batteries like to be stored um, at a certain voltage that sort of doesn't degrade them as quickly kind of thing. So you shouldn't store your batteries at full charge. You should store them at, I can't remember what the exact, oh, I sound stupid here. I don't know what the exact voltage is. Generally, it's around that 3.8 to 3.87 kind of volts per cell is whatever my charger sets it up to. You go to your charger and you do a, you do a storage charge, right? Plug your battery in. Press the go, make sure that it's you know set to storage charge and let it go and it will get it to a storage charge voltage. And as I said, it could be 3.8, could be 3.87. Um, I can't remember exactly the percentage that it needs to be at because I'm not that bright. But it's very important to do that if you want to want your batteries to last. Now, have I left batteries at full charge? Yes, but they do start to degrade um, and I have to top them up generally. So you're better off if you want to look after your batteries. Storage of batteries is a critical thing as well. All right. They're volatile things, these batteries, really. So I store them in liposafe sacks or in um, ammunition cases, making sure that I don't crimp any of the cables and stuff like that. And I've got another sort of like um, fireproof um, case as well. It's very important to be mindful of how you store those packs. Very important to be mindful of how you charge them. Too many fires happening from people that are just taking shortcuts. Um, you know, trying to charge your lipo battery when it's set to nickel metal hydride. So anyway, that's everything that I know about lipo batteries. Uh, so Craig, I hope I've helped you and others. If anybody else wants any of my other opinions, because I'm just giving you what I do. I might not be 100% correct, but I'm happy for people to chime in and um, correct me or add anything to that, and I'll share that knowledge as well. So it's not what's been on my mind, really, but Craig, it has been because Craig brought it onto my mind. So thanks for listening, Craig, and I hope I answered some of your questions. My favourite part of the podcast now, it's guest time, and I, I basically wanted to do, I said in last week's podcast, I want to talk to someone from, who went to the Festival of Aero Modelling, and I had Mario Shembri in mind, and because um, Mario is there doing some live streams and taking some photographs, and he'll probably have a video coming out at some point in time. Anyway, uh, good old Mario organised the chat and he happened to be in at the Gall, David Gall and Aaron Gall's place up in Queensland because um, he's still up there going to the Casino Jets event and managed to get together a bunch of people that were at the event. So we have David Gall, Aaron Gall joined in, Martin Pickering who came all the way out from Spain with his partner Raquel, 
Uh, and so um, he joined in on the chat. Mario, of course. Bill was there, another guy. Um, so a, a bunch of them standing around or sitting around their laptop just before they were all going to go out for dinner, having a chat with me. So the audio quality may not be 100% because you can imagine one laptop and lots of people standing around, but it will do. I'll do my best to try to EQ everything and make it as best as possible, but it might not be the best audio quality, but what they're saying is quality. Like that little segue. So it's good to have um, those people in the room because they're the guys that are in the know that, uh, that um, you know, put on the event, uh, and ran the event and participated in the event. So here's my chat with a bunch of guys from the Festival of Aeromodeling. Well, for those of you that are in the know, and you should have been in the know because it was everywhere, the Festival of Aeromodeling was held uh, only finished a few days ago as I record this, and I've got some of the movers and shakers from the event joining us to talk about the Festival of Aeromodeling and how it went. We've got David Gahl, Martin Pickering, and Mario Shembury joining me. Thanks, guys, for getting on the line with me. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks, Andrew. Well, look, I wasn't able to attend the event because I had COVID. Uh, which prevented me from doing anything. But I was watching from afar. And, and Mario, thank you for all the live streams. And David, thanks for all the live streams. Uh, because that really allowed us to partake in the event from afar. David, starting with you, you, you were one of the organisers of the event. How did it all go from your perspective? I think, um, I think it went really well. You know, we were hoping to get about uh, 50 pilots. I think we ended up with about 67. Um, we had uh, a lot of people call in um, that weren't going to come. There was, you know, people drove down from Munnerberg and and uh, just to have a look at it. There was a, a couple of locals that just came every single day, uh, not locals, but, you know, from Warwick Club. Um, from an organising side of things, I think um, the administration uh, Geordie had put together was um, made it very easy. Um and uh, the catering side was the bit that we were worried about, but, you know, we were able to pull that up. We had some great help from the uh, SES and a local cafe in town. Uh, also, we booked out the pub and the bowls club. We had a, had a fair few meals there. So from, from a food side of things, it worked really well. The weather, we had one um, day with a bit of rain, we put in a big marquee for everyone that never had a had something to put their model under, and that worked really well. What do you think, boys? Yeah, yeah. it was really good. Well, organising the first event and being a big event as well is always going to be a challenge, and no doubt you've learned a bit from the uh, from the um, organising the event, the first one. Uh, where do you see the future, as far from an organising perspective? Uh, from from all of us, we were pretty drained at the end of the day, but uh, all the pilots, um, from their thoughts and the timing, we think around this time next year. Uh, I was hoping to go nine days, but the girls have told us um, it's going to be seven days, uh, and I'm saying it's going to be around exactly the same time um, for us for next year. And I don't want it to grow too big, too quick. I think, you know, if everyone brings one extra person on, I think we can handle that. And that's where that's where we think for next year. Well, look, straight off the bat, well done. Congratulations uh, to you and the whole team because, you know, if anybody's organised an event, you know how much work goes into putting the event on and it's not just about, you know, getting the event up and running. It's 
all the behind the scenes stuff of getting you know, approvals to fly there. Like you said, the catering, the marquees, all that kind of stuff. And plus, of course, you had casino being washed out. Now a, a new thing, a, absolute phenomenal effort. So well done, David Gull. And- no, I, I must say also behind the scenes, there was a lot of, a lot of other people that had, um, had made sure that all the ducks in a row to make sure that it did flow, uh, getting it through for our height approval and uh, all of the other bits and pieces for the no team. Um, you know, there was a lot of people in the MAAA that did also make that happen. So, you know, there was a lot of people that, that behind the scenes did um, did go uh, their extra mile. I know that Mitch Bannock from um, from Canberra did an amazing job for us and, and um, really made the process easy. And I think uh, from what we had put together, uh, the package that Tyson had um, had also put together as far as the risk assessments and all that, I think uh, from uh, from conversations around, it was perfect. It was brilliant. There was just some little tweaking that we need to do. But it's something that all other clubs can follow and use that as a role yeah. model, no. as a model. Well, the second one will be a lot easier because you've done a lot of the work in getting the first one up and running. So... Uh... So that sounds good. Now, speaking of going the extra mile, Martin Pickering, you've really come a long way to come to this event, all the way from Spain. Absolutely. Now, worth every single mile. Yeah. Look, look you ha- every time I saw a photo of you, you had a smile on your face. So your first time to Australia. It's your first time. Great to- events. Yeah. First time to Australia, yeah. So uh, give us your, your impression of Australia. Well, Australia so far wet <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, not quite the sunny, uh, perfect conditions that we expected, kind of. But uh, even with throughout all of that, everyone did their absolute best and made an, a, a brilliant event for everyone. And I'm sure that in all those photos, I wasn't the only one with a big smile on my face. I think every pilot there, even the helpers, callers, friends, partners, everyone just had a great time. Well, it, you, you're correct, and just on the weather, this is an abnormal year. This year just wants to rain nonstop, especially up in Queensland. So it's just bad luck at the, at this point in time. From a flying perspective, tell us about what you flew because I saw you flying jets and other sort of aircraft. Um, no doubt, oh, I, I, I it, it was it was a marketing campaign. Also, it was trying to get onto every single plane so we could get his sticker on there. Yeah, I, I had a wait of a time because I just walked up to basically everyone. Everyone was throwing radios at me left, right, and centre. Mode one, mode two, didn't matter. And uh, by the end of it, we had the, the in joke that I bought a load of my own Pickering RC stickers with me, and I was just saying to the guys, they were coming, "Can I have a sticker?" It's like, yeah. I've got to have flown. I've got to have flown the plane to put a sticker on it. Oh, okay, here's the radio. <laughs> so we we had so many flights over the weekend and just had an, an absolute blast with uh, a load of new friends. What are some of the planes that you enjoyed flying? I think the the one that I had the most fun with would be the three uh, DJ ten, which we set up throughout the weekend. And uh, by about halfway through, that thing was flying absolutely insane. We're going to have all the uh, 3D tricks, all the fun, and just having a blast, especially in the evenings when it was absolutely perfectly calm. It was beautiful. It was cold, so the turbine was really powerful as well. Nice cold air. Brilliant. Yeah, did you get, so you managed to get some of those late, late in the day flights, which I, I call a golden hour. It's a beautiful time to go and fly. 
Yeah, and we've got them on video, and they'll all be coming out really soon as well. So uh, people can look forward to that, hopefully. Good. So we're gonna. So no doubt we will see some videos on your uh, Pickering Pickering RC, isn't it? The YouTube channel. Yeah, Martin Pickering. Yeah, yeah. So check that out because you'll know that there'll be some videos. Martin who? Martin Ida. <laughs> some, some some guy from Spain. I <laughs> some guy from Spain. <laughs> well. Uh, I, I saw one of the flights. Uh, I don't know whether I think it was Mario Shembri may have filmed the flight or something like that, and that was looked amazing. That J10 doing the 3D maneuvers, and and Aaron Gall had a crack at it as well. I saw him with one of his jets out there uh, with the thrust vectoring uh, working overtime as well. Yeah, every, everyone was out there, and it was just. It, I think the runway itself and the whole atmosphere and environment also just added to the enjoyment because being able to have the opportunity to fly at such a large airfield. Uh, for for us at least, I'm sure for a lot of modelers, is very unusual. So to be able to be flying at such a massive runway with, okay, there's multiple flight lines and they're not interfering with each other and just no obstacles anywhere really within any kind of reasonable distance, it's just fun all the way because you can come in from any angle, do what you want, have fun, and not worry about all the usual obstacles that model fields all tend to uh, tend to come with these days. That is very true. Now, I want to throw over to, to Mario Shembri. You got my attention. Yeah, I've mentioned your name. <laughs> He's on that team <laughs> We mentioned mini beers. We were talking about mini beers earlier, and if I said mini beers, Mario would, would have said, yes, please. Uh, Mario, what was it like having someone like Martin Pickering at the event? Hang on, I'll just get up and leave so he can actually talk, say, talk <laughs> on the truth. Um, Martin was fortunate enough to have his first flight on, in Australia on my model. Yeah, it was great. Um, cool. Talks to everyone. No ego. No, I'm better than you or anything. He's just he's just one of the boys. Just gets in, flies, has fun. Everyone talks the same language. Yeah. Airplanes. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. Now, um, in a nutshell, yeah, Mario, you made the trek all the way from Melbourne. It's a big trek. What was your festival? How would you describe your festival era modeling experience? I loved it, dude. Plain and simply loved it. It's it was very expensive for Marty, uh, for, for uh, Mario, wasn't it? Just <laughs> even get here, you've got to register your trailer. <laughs> I got a speeding ticket, <laughs> really. I got a speeding ticket, and then to my surprise, my trailer hasn't been registered for two years. Oh, sorry. So I got a ticket for that too. That's how he can afford to come to Queensland. He's, he's seriously gone downhill, Mario. He used to be a fine, upstanding oh. citizen, but not anymore. Oh, I know. It's all good, mate. Okay, what Learn about listen? Pay your rent. So Martin, <laughs> Martin talked a bit about the flying area there. Um, one of you, just give us a bit of an explanation of the layout. Maybe David, give us a bit of a layout of the of the um, the flying area. I think, um, uh, firstly, it was pretty difficult when we when we got there. We didn't know, you know, if, if 50 people were going to be there and whether we just used the one flight line. Um, we, off to the, uh, I would say left, everyone would say that would be um, on the south end of the strip, southeast end of the strip. Uh, we had the, uh, we had all the jets, but we first started off where everyone could fly whatever you wanted to fly, but you just had to, to mingle with everybody else, similar to what we were doing in Jokanor. Um, then we set up a, a grass strip down, um, yeah, on the right hand side. Of the, Is that the south yeah. end? Yeah, on the south end. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. 
South End. One end of the runway, one one end of the field, we were flying off the bitumen strip. The jets were flying off there, but guys were flying their foamies. Guys were flying scanner off there. Um, Everyone was gliders, gliders. It was um, just brilliant. On the other end, off the grass strip, um, the the Sydney guys. A, a, a tremendous congratulations to those guys with all their scale planes. They done really well. They really filled the skies all five days, didn't they? Yeah, um, for the first two days on the grass strip, there was, you know, a lot of World War One, um, World War Two, and even you preferred to fly off the... Yeah, I mean, I think the probably the best way to describe it was the whole runway itself uh, is a 1.1-kilometre tarmac runway. And with I, I think a really good decision that was made was rather than splitting that basically in half and having two identical flight lines, both running off of tarmac. It was a nice idea to have one that was running off of effectively half of that runway on the tarmac side, and the other half was running just a little bit inwards uh, on a grass strip. So those wanting to fly models which are slightly more awkward for landing or taking off and prefer the more grippy grass, they were welcome to use either runway, but they could choose to go to the grass runway. The guys who preferred the smoother uh, surface of the tarmac, they could go over to the other runway. Uh, personally, I kind of like the grass runway because it just the bit that you're standing on is the same as the bit that you're flying on, so it's all exactly the same surface and level. You never had that curvature on the runway. Exactly. Yeah. Basically, all, all that was was because the uh, pilot's position for safety, of course, is a little bit back off the runway, and the tarmac runway goes up just like four fingers, so the height. For me, trying to push the limits with the uh, 3D aircraft, uh, it just always feels nicer when you're on the same level, your feet are at the same level, it's just one thing less to worry about. Yeah, it makes sense. But, so that was the main two flight lines, and then that's uh, what halfway through, days, we, added in, we added in a, a third flight line because the uh, some of the 3D guys who are great pilots, and the reason why they're great pilots is because they fly a lot, and they were wanting to fly a lot, so we just said, "Oh, here you go. Here's a th here's a third runway over to the to the far end, uh, also a grass runway, and that way they could all go nuts, fly all day, sort of amongst themselves and ourselves, as I was there too. And uh, it wasn't kind of an issue of okay, now it's prop three three D plane, then then get the warbirds out, then get the scale birds out, then get jets out. Were they um, they sharing it around, Andy? God, I never yeah. went in there. Yeah, and uh, basically everyone was just, in the end, even though there was no limitation as to who could fly where, everyone kind of just found what suited them and had a blast. Well, gee, so you ended up with three strips. How, how, how did it go? Um, no, no, four. We actually had four because four. there was a control line as well. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know you had the control liners there. How did everybody go big or go home? <laughs> go round or go home, isn't it? The uh, yeah, that was one. <laughs> yeah. How hey, you've got to see the video of Jason Segadek on there. Yeah, have you got kind well, of dizzy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always Jason got so dizzy. Oh, I'd be it throwing just... up. I reckon. No, he just got so dizzy. He was he was trying to teach Riley, young Riley Bishop. He was trying to teach him how to fly the control line, and and uh, young kid just grabbing. He's got his hand out. And instead of moving the hand up and down, he's moving the wrist, and this thing was going around up and down. 
Uh, like the, he, he was doing a good job, but he was just on a pogo. Yeah, <laughs> up, up, <down. laughs> how did yeah. how did everyone move their planes between flight lines? Uh, we um, we provided uh, a truck, a flatbed truck, um, and uh, we had six uh, golf carts, which had four um, could seat four people. So they were um, they were very handy. But uh, with the two ways at each of the flight lines, everybody would just ring when they needed something picked up, and the, and uh, my little mate Pete would just jump in the truck, jump, yeah, jump in the truck, or time. somebody else yeah. would take the truck between each of the flight lines, and and that worked out pretty well. That's excellent. Yeah, you'd end up just, just, just stealing one of the golf carts. Yeah, you just steal you the say, golf if cart. There's, if there's an empty golf cart, hop in it, take it, leave it. Some people ready for the next person. Some people put the models. Uh, I think uh, the first I saw it was um, Rick and Brendan Gel. They had their um, jet on top of the mm-hmm. on top on top of the, one of the golf carts. That looked pretty cool. <laughs> and then the prop planes were just uh, one guy was sitting on the back, holding the rudder and just pulling okay. it as well. So. I know I saw on one of the live streams that I think Mario stole the truck at one point in time, didn't you? Well, everyone had a go. Yeah. Well, what did I do? Did you no, steal the truck? Go. Thanks for listening, Mario. Welcome. The um, did you steal the truck? <laughs> oh, I, dro- I drove the truck. I drove. I pinched a go kart. What was it called? A golf cart. Golf, golf, golf cart. Yeah, yeah. Drove that, and then I got one. Of, and there was a guy that came to fly. And he donated his time to chauffeuring um, people that just just to show them what it is. Yeah, he spent, the, he spent the last two days. Just, just anyone different. who came in from the town, just who, to have especially a look. especially those who weren't modelers, who were just curious as to why the this small little town suddenly had loads loads of people in it. They came out to the to the strip, and he was just picking them up, putting them in the uh, golf golf buggy, giving them a a fluorescent. Uh, Vest each. They're all being being signed in, uh, just like as you would do it in normal. Giving them a full tour with all the explanations as to as to what all the airplanes are, what they do, who's who, and uh, everyone had a well of a time. That's awesome. Um, We just we we need to mention his name. He's a chap from. um, He's a pylon racer. His his name is Neil Davy from the. I think it's the Tarmac or the uh, TAA club in Toowoomba, and he came over to fly with another chap, Michael Paul, and spent two days in the um, in the golf cart just sure. driving everywhere. Sure. That's it awesome. was brilliant. It was and, beautiful. And just yeah. on that point, what, David, from your perspective, what was the reception like from the locals having this big bunch of people rock up with their model aeroplanes? Um, we made sure everyone everyone went to town. Like everyone had a shirt, everyone had a, uh, a little badge, and, and everyone showed it with a bit of pride. The reception from town was um, was brilliant. You know, like we um, we booked out the pub one night, the bowls club, and then we did that massive dinner out at uh, Greenup, which is yeah. about, oh, that was a view and a half. That was just, they had this that tree stump that they had sitting above the bar. We'd, had been there since 1954. They pulled it out when the when they had a flood, and they had it lit up with um, lights all over it. So mm-hmm. they were pretty happy. They they did a um, a beautiful meal. So I think um, from the Bowls Club even opened up especially for us as well. On yeah, the last night uh, on uh, we need because there's nowhere open on Sunday night. So the the chap at the pub he offers us a barbecue. Um, but uh, the girls at the bowls club approached us and um, and said if we would like, they will open up the bowls club on, on Sunday night, which is what they did. 
That's phenomenal. And um, it was brilliant. Yeah, great meal. I always say every action has a reaction and there's been a lot of reaction from this event that's not only helped the era modeling community, but also the local town and, and no doubt they'd be really happy to have you all back again next year. I think, uh, I, so I had a message from the SES uh, lady. So, um, and I think that was the secret for us as well that took a lot of stress was having uh, different people did breakfast and the SES came in and looked after lunch. That pumpkin soup was just, mm, it was amazing. Um, so they just did it every day and, and they've already said next year they'll, they've already booked their holidays so they can come and do it again. Yeah, no, that was awesome. Now, I've, we've got a camera running and I saw Aaron Gar walk behind. Aaron, are you there? I certainly am. Oh, welcome, Aaron. Th- welcome to the yeah, chat. Sure. Now, I want to get your impression. Like You you, you did a fair few flights, didn't you? Uh, not a huge amount. So I probably got in maybe over the weekend, maybe... 14, 15 flights. Well, that's more flights than I've done all year, so you're doing well. Uh, the, <laughs> one of the, one of the, I, I saw one of the live streams, and you were flying the the. Is, what's the big big plane that you've got? It's a big Fokker or something, isn't it? Yeah, the, the big, the big uh, Fokker DR1. Can you say that on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, Fokker. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that plane is amazing to watch. It looks extremely scale like. It is it underpowered or not? It's it is a little bit underpowered, but we just make it work for what it is. Obviously, a little bit hard to go back to nineteen eighteen and know exactly what uh, how much power they had. But obviously, you know they're going to have enough power to go around doing loops and barrel rolls and stuff. But yeah, it's it's ample, but I don't think it's quite scale enough. I think ideally, if we were to do what Gernot's done back in Austria and stick the Val RK eight hundred in, I think we'd be then pretty well set. So doubling the power. Yeah, double the power. <laughs> double the power. <laughs> yeah, but, but we don't. We don't. We for me, uh, you know, I don't want to see it doing. Um, I love watching Gerno doing his um, uh, rolling Harrys and all that sort of stuff. But to me, it's it's a scale. It's a scale model. So yeah. I think it, it, it a, five, a five fifty a five fifty radio. If somebody wants to do one for us, would be good. I think another hundred cc. Yeah, hundred. What's a, what's it got in it? It's a four hundred, isn't it? Is it a Mocky four hundred? Mocky four hundred. Okay, but the the landing was phenomenal. It just sort of floated in, and then it sort of just stopped. Which one? <laughs> the one I did, of course. <laughs> no, yeah, not you, David. I knew. No, it wasn't you. You flying it, and the I saw. I mentioned to Martin that you got out there with the jet, flying a bit of three D as well. With the um, it's a wraith, isn't it? It's the elite aerosport wraith that you're flying. Yeah, yeah. We set up the wraith uh, in the last couple of days. Got that working, and uh, I think the grin on Aaron's face at the end of it basically said everything that needed to be said about it. So, from oh, what I, so what I can gather is Martin Pickering came out here just to set everybody's planes up. No, I was tricked. I was tricked. Every plane you flew, you said, "Oh, this is out of trip. This is out of trip." Every plane was well, a reason for that. <laughs> 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 it was. <laughs> now, uh, here's a question without notice, Martin. You're sitting in the Gal hangar. Now, the Gal hangar is a famous hangar, right? What do you think of the Gal's select collection of model planes? Oh, I mean, I've got a flight tomorrow, and they think I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> What, what, no. There's there's too many planes in here that I haven't flown yet, so yeah, you'd get to need a year or two, I reckon. Yeah, this thing is seriously. The good thing is that the gals are very generous people, so they, they you know if you want to fly anything, and they'll say yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's that's the the brilliant week that I've had. 
It's like, oh, can we try this one? Can we try that one? Is this one ready? Can we get this one out of the tractor? I must say, I must say, um, Martin setting up the power box in um, in both machines yeah. was just the setup. You, I mean, that the J10, I used to watch that thing, you know, waddle around the I sky. I was fighting it, God knows how much. Right, and the way, and he, he just uh, set the radio in it. I went up to it and all I could say after the first fight, and he's just gutting the whole thing. He's taking out tanks. He's taking out everything. Right? Yeah. And he's even got the wheels off. He's, and he's got old mate trying to buy a new set of wheels. Trying to find lighter wheels. Really? Oh, we don't need. Yeah. We left them in the end. <laughs> See the the lengths that Martin will go to to get a plane to fly. Well, well done. Now yeah. I'm going to go through. Well, the, the thing is, though, Alan, you've flown that thing a few times prior. Yeah, I, I, the last time I flew was about twelve months ago. And your feeling of it 12 months ago was roughly... I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, a piece of crap, I'm ready to just hand it off to someone else. Okay, and this weekend? Yeah, it's staying in the hangar. It's <laughs> awesome now, I love it. it yeah, it, you know, and someone obviously, you know, we've spoken in the past about when it comes to gyros, obviously from my background and what I'm so used to, you know, I understand for what we're trying to achieve here with jets, uh, especially doing the 3D hovering, it is really required. Um but, you know, for me, it's, it's showing, you know, the, the setup and the knowledge that Martin has as an aero modeler, especially with his, you know, the, the, the brands that he represents, is just, you know, he is a true ambassador, obviously, not just for the hobby, but even for the companies that he represents. And, you know, is one of the, you know, I, I, I couldn't think of anyone better out there, you know, to represent companies that, you know, who know, knows the product in and out. You're making me blush. Oh. No, it's true though, Martin. The videos that you shoot and the length that you go to get those videos up and, and, you know, I've watched them to learn how to set up my power box and stuff like that and we need people like you. So, uh, yeah, I'll give you a pat on the back as well. Aaron, can you even pat on the back? You're standing behind him. There you haven't mentioned your jet this time. This is the first podcast we've done together and you've not mentioned your jet yet. Well, did you see my crash investigation video, Martin, where I plonked it in, nose first, going pretty hard? Oh, actually, I... The remnants. So we'll, so we'll, we'll leave that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the jet. Well, look, there's, a, there's another one. There's another one coming, but I can't tell you exactly. Okay. It's going to be a That's surprise. Cool. Now, I want to go through each one of you and tell me what was your sort of favourite model at the event. It could be one that you own, or it could be something else that you saw. So, David, what was the, your standout model? Um, beside the Fokker, which obviously I enjoy, I love to. Um, I think. Old mate from, um, from you know, old mate from yeah. old New mate, South Wales. Oh, 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 There's a lot of old mates, did, Martin. He did 27 fights. Oh, Mike Hage. Mike Hage, his name is. Yes. Uh, he's the only bloke that didn't book for dinner that everybody else did that it sort of stuffed us up a bit, but don't <laughs> tell him that. Okay. Um, but he he rocked up from the minute that he got that. He's got this. It's a Russian sort of biplane and he's got a motor 180 a, in the front. A Pokolov. yeah. Um, they used to, they designed, it's got that really weird spinner on the front where they used to put a truck up the back to pre-start it. Yeah. Turn the video. What are you doing? Mario's playing videos in the background. Mario. <laughs> it's, it's a video. He's going to add it in the video. It's, yeah. a, it's a video entitled Why My Jet Crashed. You oh, yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barry he just, he just doesn't recognise who the and bloke we're is. Back on, we're back on the favourite. I think, in all seriousness, um, the, the, his sound, he had a monkey in it, 
He, I think it I only had three months off. Yeah, well. I believe so, yeah. It, it was a, unusual. It had exhaust that were two into one on one side, one loose on the other side, and it made a, made a very unique sound. sound. Yeah. And he, he wasn't scared to throw a ram, was he? No. And this thing, the detail on this thing was uh, was brilliant. It, you know, he was um, out of the New South Wales scale camp, but, you know, yeah. Peter Goff and Anthony, and, that, and seriously, you know, if you hang around those blokes and you build like that, I think that's a um, it was a credit to them all. But he threw that thing around. I thought it was brilliant. Mm. What about you, Aaron? What's your standout model? I reckon I'd have to go with the same the same model this Pokemon, but it was just no, no repeating, no yeah. repeating. What other models is there? Well, there was a really cool model that even had, that had a variable wingspan over the weekend. Oh no! <laughs> it, it, oh, it, it, it ended up being the it was the extreme flight ninety eight inch uh, extra NG. Really, ninety eight inch. Can we see well, to, a, to, a, to a shop near you, right? Yeah, no, but there's some um, there's a story with that because there's some there's some pretty um, happy kids because you uh, you damaged their wings. Well, let's just let's just get get the story straight. Martin Pickering. I dare say he was doing a very low knife edge kind of pass, maybe, and maybe scraped the wingtip. Oh, yeah, the, the, we let's just say that we made a mark on Australia. Right, yes, on the tarmac. <laughs> on the, the and Left like wing. I said, so that that plain sub life is what one hundred and four inch wingspan or something like that. Yep, one hundred and four inch uh, extreme flight NG. And so now it's ninety eight inches thanks to one side being uh, a bit shorter than the other. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't six inches. It was a good solid. About a meter. No, it wasn't. It wasn't about that far. He's one of these guys that goes fetching. How big was it? It was this big. I was going to say six inches is a little bit different in the Yeah. Yeah, the call center. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, okay. So, Martin. But anyway, there's some young kids that are pretty happy. So. I was going to start with that. Watching Martin, for me, watching Martin throw around the NG was pretty cool. Obviously, I had a little mishap. At the end of it, I um, there were some young kids there from uh, Newcastle that had been pretty keen to get into IMAC. That I met them last year at, a, at the casino event. I've forgotten their last name. It was Dylan. I've forgotten the other young. Dylan. 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 I can't remember his younger brother's yeah, name. His younger brother. Anyway, they... They expressed interest. They really wanted to get into IMAC. They uh, they live with their grandparents. Anyway, um, he, he really really keen on it, but on the whole IMAC situation. And at the end of it, all, I thought, you know, better off to. Uh, I think that the model deserved to go to someone, you know, that might be able to get some good use out of it. So obviously, I uh, I surprised surprised them both and, and gave them the NG. Obviously, yes, the wings a little bit damaged, but um. With their grandfather's expertise and their modelling, they're going to rebuild the wingtip, and um, that's going to be their first iMac model. So, that so, was, uh, so I already felt excellent. kind of really bad about having wrecked Aaron's wing. I now feel even worse having wrecked what would have been a pristine iMac plane for these two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's At gonna, least they've got the signature on it. Yeah, well, do you know what he's going to? Martin's going to come back and uh, set it up so that it flies sort of straight and doesn't roll to one side because one wing might be heavier than the other and all that kind of thing. So, <laughs> well, but well the done. The other thing was um, those boys. Uh, we had that raffle come in the night before. Um. <clears throat> Can't remember exactly how. Anyway, from, each, from each so, flight, every time you had a flight, you got your name written down and put into the. Yeah. So, so uh, AR, uh, Rick and Brendan Gel kindly donated AR two AR smooth flights. 
Um, and we raffled them off. And the, the way it was, was you got a ticket in the draw every time you went for a fly. So the more you flew, the more tickets you got in the draw to win. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great concept. Because you know what, sometimes like, sometimes I find at these events, I'll see someone like Martin Pickering fly and they'll feel a bit daunted trying to fly after him and, you know, whatever. So um, that any incentive to get people up in the air, that's, that's awesome. I would have I would have just taken a foamy yeah. and done really, that. Really cool idea. It's very good. Okay, Martin. I think that was actually – yep, sorry. That's all right. We'll, we'll go to Martin now. Martin, standout model. I'm upset that I didn't get any video of it, and I don't know what it's called, and I don't know who's, who's it was. <laughs> Hopefully you guys can help me out here. It was most of the time on the grass runway. It was yellow. It was about 30 years old. We'll sit nice. And it had a quickie. It the, the double wing, the double wing, no elevator. the double wing, which the bottom one was the landing gear. That model is forty years old. There you go, forty really? years old. So Will Sitmar from um, Tingelpa. Tingelpa. Now he also won. Remember that last year we did the thing at Tinkham Bay. Well, he came up with that, and he won. He won the pilot's choice for the weekend with right. that model. <laughs> so, right. I mean, that thing is unusual. If you if you think of two gliders, one on top of another. Without elevators at the back, it's, it was called yeah. a quickie. It was, I Weird. think, it was yes. Australian design. Uh, and it was design. Who's that going? I think it was it says experimental things. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was Australian design. And it's, I think I've seen. I think I've seen them. Uh, think, isn't it amazing how sometimes it's those uh, weird and wonderful aircraft that uh, we like. Um, let's have a look now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. Like very different, very unusual, and from what I saw, it looked like it flew amazingly well as well. Yeah, he it did a good job. Yeah. Great job. What was the wingspan on nice. that? Was it a big plane or small? It was quite big. Uh, it was yeah, quite I think it's two, two, two and a half metres in it. No, he's, he's changed it. He's got a big, it's like a 60cc Sato twin in it. Oh, has he? Yeah. Gee, that would be good he, to see. It's very smooth. And he's never scared. He, I think he's about 73. Something like yeah, that. Never scared to put it out in the air. He flies that with a big uh, pup as well, big um, subway pup. Okay, that's cool. What about you, Mario? What's what your favourite model? I know you said you can't repeat them, but I'm going to go that vocal of it. It was just um, outstanding. Flew all weekend, non-stop, threw it around, wasn't scared to fly it. Um, the detail on it. The pirate, the gun, the gunner in the back moves. Yeah, um, was that with? Did he have it on a slide or something? I was, I was on a sequencer, yeah. so they you know, had a, had like a and the story of two female Russians when the Germans were sleeping overnight. They would just go fly over there and just drop bombs with nails and yeah, they, they weren't allowed to, to, to fly over, over, so they would do it between the, the trees and like the authorities yeah, back basically yeah. and uh, and help out the war effort. So I always. Judge a good event by the after hour after hours activities as well because we know that it's it's not just about the flying. What happens in Inglewood stays in Inglewood. Yeah. Well, you, you yes. have to come out next year if you yeah, want to find out. <laughs> no, we'll stick with Martin on that one. Yeah. Well, it's look, good. I'm not looking for detail, people. I'm not looking for you know the fun and frivolity in great detail. But did did most of the pilots you know well, most of the pilots were staying offsite. Were they local motels and caravan parks? I think it was half and half. Wasn't it? Half and half. Yeah, half and half. Yeah, the um, it, it's pretty. There was a campground at the field, so we uh, we got in some um, showers and uh, toilets, and um, everyone had the showers. I think next year we'll put some tents over the top of the showers, 
but they were perfectly good gas showers. Um, they're all getting distracted here. They're all looking at YouTube for some reason. We're trying, we're trying, we're trying to find the name of that aircraft because it's not, um, oh, yeah, Quickie 500. We know yeah, the Quickie's yeah, easy to sorry. find. The other one's a bit more difficult to find, but um, yeah, that, that does sound like a, a quite interesting um, aeroplane. It's amazing, those New South Wales gang, and the quality of their scale plane, you know, Peter Goff's stuff as well. It's just amazing. Yeah, they, they, um, no one was scared to throw their models out and uh, get them in the air. And I, the bit that surprised me was how good the runways came up. Yeah, that's interesting. T tell me about the grass strip because was the grass sort of low enough for, for, for model plane to get off okay? Yeah, well, um, well, well David spent a day just sitting on the mower going around in circles. He had a wave at the time. Yeah, I, because the grass was, um, you know, about six inches long, they prepared most of it. But uh, we went out with the... Um, with the with the mower, my intent, first intention was just going to use the bitumen. But um, when I went out with with the mower, and I was able to get it down to about one and a quarter inch, I think, um, and be able to push all of the grass. Obviously, there's a fair bit of grass grass to push aside, but I had to push it far enough away so if somebody went off the grass, they weren't going to get tangled in all of the um, in the residues and in cutting. So. Um, it was very, it was very smooth. Um, Aaron went and had a meeting with them today. To yeah, had a meeting with them this afternoon. Um, they're very, the Kunda Whitney Shire Council is very open to our extending <coughs> some of our runways and, and cutting some of the other stuff. So we basically went through and identified certain areas where we're going to get them to cut uh, the grass a lot shorter um, and also set up a, cut, cutting in another area where we can have a, uh, a fourth runway. So that'll be five five flying areas. Crikey, that's, that's massive. Yeah, including, including the control arm. Now, Martin, from your perspective, you've you've been to a lot of events around the world. How does this fare? Now, you know, it's hard to judge, you know, which one's better than the other, but how how does this experience of coming down to Australia, going to Inglewood and attending this event compared to some of the other events that you've been to? Well, best one ever, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next one. <laughs> No, it's really good. I mean, the the way it's been set out, the multiple runways, the, the friendship and fellowship throughout the whole week, and the fact that there was no stress for anyone to fly, yet there were never any runways that didn't have an aircraft either in the air or preparing or effectively preparing to go up immediately afterwards. Uh, it kind of felt like early days of the journal, which I know is what the guys here are kind of hoping to, to aspire to. Can I? They're very much on the right track for that. I just, sure. just let you bring up Joe We just happened to have sitting right here Bill Schultes, who was on the committee at Joe for how many years, Bill? Four years. For four years. Um, come around here. Oh, no, here. Oh. This is Bill Schulte there. Andrew's looking a bit dumbfounded there. Oh, <laughs> Hi, <laughs> Bill. Because he said me, he said me uh, multiple people doesn't work, right? <laughs> no, nah, this is working. Everybody's sounding great. This is Bill Schulte, so move in closer, Bill. Hey, you mate. Shopping Hi, Bill. Oh. So Bill is a good a, a, a friend of Pat's. Well, Pat was my boss. I, I went across there and, uh, and started a company – uh, it was an Australian company, but we had a partnership with Hartness International, and that was owned by Pat Hartness, of course, and Pat Hartness owns Triple Tree, where he started the 
Jeremy Harland in honor of a friend of his that was killed. Um, so, yeah, he, I got over there. I wasn't into uh, RC aeroplanes, but ex-Air Force, I'd done 20 years in the Air Force, and I, and I expressed to him one day that, oh, I'd really like to do that when I retire. And then one afternoon he sort of, he said, oh, you need to come down a triple tree, and it's about a 30-minute drive from Greenville. And I went down there and he told one of the guys, oh, give him your transmitter. And it was an old cub, and, uh, and I flew this cub, and, well, as, as you do for the first flight you ever had. And, um, and I thought it was interesting. And then there was one of these cookouts that they have, and, uh, and then that night they, he stood up and said, oh, he said, oh, I want to introduce you to uh, Bill Sheldes here. He's just over from Australia. He's starting up a new company with a couple of other Aussies, and uh, he's, I'm putting him on the committee. And he, uh, he he was speaking to one of the guys from Horizon Hobby, who uh, one of the owners that also lived in Granville, and he said, oh, Eric, I want you to set Bill up here with what he needs. And when I got home that night, my wife said, oh, how did it all go? And I said, yeah, it was good. I went down there and had my first fight. That was good. I had a cookout. That was good. Somehow I'm on the committee of this event that I've never been to. And I've just given a blank check to somebody I don't know for stuff that I'm not, I don't know what I'm buying. But yeah, it was a good night. So, um, so it grew, you know, it, it grew and grew. And, and that man has, um, Dave has the same sort of passion as what Pat has, I think, you know, like back then, you know, Pat would do anything for anybody to make it better. That was what it was all about, you know, the, the fun and the fellowship. And, uh, and it wasn't about, you know, um, accolades or anything like that. It was all about, you know, get the people in, make sure they have a good time. And, uh, and this, this event really had that feel. It really, really had a good feel about it. You know, people, even, you know, there was a couple of days, weather was a little, little bit against us. It was cold. Um, but the vibe was always positive as far as the RC flying went. It was really, really good. It looked like that from afar, from what we could see, it, even despite, you know, rain showers and things like that, it looked like that everybody was just enjoying each other's company and just happy to sit back and have a chat if you couldn't ever fly. Yeah, well, you know, I'm from Victoria and I don't don't know any of these people up here and, uh, and you know, sort of everyone was sort of talking. You know, everyone was wanted to know where you were from and who you were and what you were doing what your passion was and and it was it was that I think that makes it special. Wouldn't you agree, Bones? Yeah, yeah I would I would agree. That and that was always kind of the idea to to really based off what journal has yeah. always been about and it's about to bring that sort of experience to Australia for all aeromodelers to enjoy. Yeah. And you're not gonna anyone probably better suited to try and do that than these guys that have yeah. been there, they've travelled about, they've seen uncountable number of events, competitions, air shows worldwide. So they know what it takes. And, the mistakes and they, seem, they seem to have the right backing to get the paperwork mm. right as well. So it, there's no stopping them. And I think, um, you know, Bill's Bill's input out there was um, was brilliant as well. So, you know, <clears throat> for all the years, how many years ago did you leave the States? Uh, 2009. <clears throat> 2009. So he hasn't been... Been there for the last um, twelve or thirteen years, but uh, I went back every year up until two thousand and eighteen. Really? Yeah. Every year I'd go for the knoll, um, but just for the knoll, you know. And uh, but 
But they have the bus over there, which I think they've dropped that off this year. Uh, they ferry people around in buses. But the truck was every bit as good. The, the truck actually really probably made it for a lot of people. And, you know, you, you're dragging a big extra or, you know, in my case, an edge. you got to go down to the grass strip. You know, you're looking at, you know, a quarter of a mile walk, you know, half a kilometre or so. Um, with a radio, you know, with fuel, with a yeah, starter, with some exactly. tools. And, Not just an airplane. And just to be able to say, oh, I need a bus and uh, a truck, and next minute, there it is, throw your stuff on the back and sit on the back and away you go, you know, and uh, it's just like a big holiday, big yeah, holiday. It was. So it sounds like an, an aero modelling playground, but um, I'll tell you what, I really think you've this first event really is, has set the bar pretty high, it sounds like, and uh and you know it'll just get bigger and better, I think, for many years to come. So um, it's just phenomenal to to see the work that went into it. You know, and you know there was a lot of adversity along the way, wasn't there, Dave? You know, not only was it changing the event date and the the, the field and all that kind of stuff, and and the speed in which you managed to get the Inglewood um, field up and running really was um, absolutely phenomenal. So you know, I just can't congratulate you enough, really, at the effort that was put in by everybody. And and, and 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 the girls behind the scenes as well, Geordie and uh, look, they, um, wife Cherie. The, the professionalism of what they they did, you know, when you went in and and registered, and it, it was very good. And it was the field was pretty well set out to to accommodate for everyone. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay, was, so who's coming back next year? Oh, we all. Are. I think we all. Are. <laughs> Martin's got his, Martin's got his fingers back. crossed. <laughs> it's a long way for Martin to get here, all the way from Spain, and. Uh, but yeah, really appreciate the effort you made, Martin, to come out. I know Martin came in, but, you know, Raquel had been a big part of yes. the whole show. Um, she put on some awesome displays for everyone. So Raquel is Martin's um, Martin's partner, Raquel, who's a, a 3D heli gun. Well, I'm glad yeah. we worked that out because I think we... Uh... <laughs> Go on. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, no, well, I didn't know whether they were actual apart, you know, like my oh, man didn't know if there were a couple or not. A couple. Oh, and, gee, and you're, you're slow on the uptake. In the one bed. David, you're <laughs> slow on the uptake, aren't you? Hmm. Yeah, happy days for me either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And, and how did Raquel like, yeah, no, like Raquel, the event? Raquel's one of the best video pilots out there, and she's by far the number one female Heli pilot out there, which is world, 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 world champion uh, in night fly a number of years ago. Uh, so, yeah, she, she can put on a show. I've been there in since she was five. Yeah. Really? Her, her, dad, her dad still flies. Yep. Her dad still comes with us to the flying field and uh, we'll have a whatever time. And how did Raquel enjoy the um, flying fun. at the event? Oh, she she loved it. She just at, at the field. She's just another one of the lads, pretty much. Just uh, there, fits in with everyone. She likes, likes doing her flying. Likes to uh, get many batteries through as possible. Yeah, just have fun. They did that. They did that really well. Well, gentlemen, I know that uh, you have a dinner date tonight, so I'm being mindful of the time, and I know that you all got to go and get dressed, and Bones is going to go and have to iron his shirt or David's got to get one of his Hawaiian shirts out. 
so <laughs> I, I appreciate all of you and congratulations to, to everybody. Uh, well done. All of you actually on this podcast have played a pretty significant role. Mario was doing a lot of work behind the scenes with marketing of the event, the live streams, Mario. Thank you for doing them. We love those. Martin, thanks for your help. Bill, Aaron, David, congratulations. Very proud of you. Well done. Keep up the good work and hopefully there'll be many more to come. Hey, um, just the last little bit was um, we spent uh, a, about half a day making cones to go over the lights because you know those, <laughs> yes. you, know, yeah. you, know, you know those lights. Mario yes. knows where this is going. Yeah, so Ooh. you know those those lights. Well, they're seven hundred and fifty dollars each. Yes, plus the council, right? So, so I thought, well, we should uh, we should get some of those. So I think they cost us about. Fifteen hundred bucks plus a plus a machine to do it, but I think when Mario hit them both, yep. I think we started making money. Yes. Well, that is true. Mario did manage to plonk one of his planes in, uh, but look, there's nothing wrong with that, Mario, Mario because been there, done that, uh, and you know, lived to tell the tale. Uh, but yeah, apparently he sort of landed a bit short and hit the uh, hit the cones. He looked at me. He wanted to kill me. So there's two things on that. I posted it on Facebook, and and before I talk about that, the first thing about Facebook and error modelling is we're all friends on Facebook, probably mainly because of error modelling. We like what we see through clubs, through not. We all become Facebook friends mainly because of error modelling. Um, you finally get to meet the guys. You sit down afterwards. You've had your day swung. You sit down afterwards around a campfire, socialising, drinking a little bit. Oh, and whatnot. We know you're not good at the drinking um, bit, Mario. Offline, or landing, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but saying that, um, when I posted that picture of my plane, I was gutted. Oh, I was, I was, I was gutted. It was my baby, my go-to. Um, the people at Merce, and I don't, I don't know, we're going to promote and whatnot, Merce Models or Merce Hobbies over in wherever they are, they immediately got contacted me and said, what do we need, what do you need? What do you need to get it going, get it flying again? And it's already on its way. So that's awesome. a shout out to them. It's, it's awesome what Facebook can do with um, helping modelers get back in the air. And yeah. it's, it's a mean, it's a very fast plane. I think it was the only plane that flew on two flight lines at the same time. And <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Mario. And Martin had the. Um, Martin flew it, and it's like, Martin, can you have a fly? Have a look, yeah. have a thing. My and, first ever fly in Australia on, on this model. The Wuhan no, the rocket. Wuhan rocket, that's right. Which we and, thought was, gonna, was brilliant, and then didn't get a sticker because... Didn't get a sticker on my wing. Yeah. But when you see your model, you know each pilot's got their own limits and capabilities, and then when you see your pride and joy coming inverted, low, <laughs> high speed, and you have to look away because you don't know if it's going to drag the rudder on the... Bitchman runway. Um, it was a, it was great to see what a model can do. The capabilities. Fortunately, Mario hadn't seen the knife edge on the extra prior to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. But the uh, so Mario, now what you're telling us now is you've been inspired by seeing Martin fly your plane, and we could expect you to be getting a bit lower. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining me. It's been a, it's been enjoyable to to get the lowdown on the festival of aero modelling, and once again, congratulations to you all. And Martin, safe travels home. Thanks very much. 
And uh, thank you very much, Andrew, for all the promotion that you've done for us. About to leave, already packing. Come with me, I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted. It would be good to be back. I missed a week because I had COVID and it feels like I'm getting back in the swing of things, doing some planning around Flat Out RC and, and what, what I do with some content and stuff like that. And I've got an idea in mind that I'm still workshopping. Um, so I'll, I'll share that once I've uh, come to the conclusion as to what I'm going to do. But uh, till then, we'll just keep on pumping out podcasts. And it was great to have the, the guys from the Festival of Era Modeling. Um, it, it seemed like a wonderful event really did and I hope that it keeps on going for many years to come the Inglewood Airport seems like a pretty good location as well so I think we'll probably see more activity happening out of that that space there which is good and well done to uh, David Gall uh, Aaron Gall uh, Tyson Dodd, Jordana Dodd and anybody else that was involved in putting on the event um, well done you really want to give a clap well done, that was a really good job so I'll be back next week. Till then, I hope you get net flying, building model aeroplanes, enjoying the hobby that we love, and being nice to each other along the way. Don't forget to tell your friends and family to subscribe to all the Flat Out RC channels, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and of course, tell your fellow club members how great this podcast is. Let's get more people listening. Not that I make anything out of it, but it'd be good to have lots of people sharing the love of aero modeling via this podcast. So... I'll be back next week with more. Till then, see you later.